Hello, this is Marisol Solar Locker, psychotherapist and consultant, and this is the Resilience and Resistance Podcast, a podcast about successful Black, Indigenous women of color who have overcome trauma and become resilient. Hi, Beth. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, it's so funny. We met in 2019? Yeah. Or was it 2018? I think 2018. 2018. 2018. We were both in a program called Leadership Denver. Um, and yeah, and that was pretty much bef- right before the pandemic. Yeah. We graduated officially from the program probably, was it June? Yeah. 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then went along our merry ways. Or so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I, you know, just had the pleasure of being around you and, you know, just your brilliance and how much you contributed to my time in the program. And I felt um, the same way. So, yeah. Aw, thanks. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the reason that I asked you to come was that a, a friend of ours, a friend we have in common, was talking to me about how you had helped her in salary negotiations. Uh, which spurred on a really interesting conversation around negotiating salary, what that means for women specifically, and what that means for women of color. And um, so she really talked to us about her process, what that meant, and how much you really helped and coached her in that. And so it just you know spurred on some interest for me in wanting to bring you onto the podcast because I think that there are a lot of women who don't think about negotiating their salaries and they don't think about the impact of that long term. Um, so I would love for you just to talk a little bit about, you know, what sparked your interest in that specifically, and you know why it's important for women to think about salary negotiation. Yeah, um, I think I really started to think about this. Uh, oddly enough, come, um, so I'm an employment attorney for my background, and I kind of came of age during the um, Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And one of the things employment attorneys do uh, during layoffs is they look at large groups of employees uh, and the layoff plans and whether or not those layoff plans are biased. So they look at it for a few different things. But I just started to notice some things um, and that I could close my eyes and predict how data would look Mm. based on uh, gender. And then if you added in a few, you know, interesting characteristics, I could tell you even more about the individual and that in every industry you know the great recession impacted everyone so i saw data from lots of different industries and in every industry it always looked the same yeah. and that part kind of blew my mind uh and it, it reinforced something to me that i'd long suspected which is uh that bias exists everywhere and in all of us um, and so when I saw that, I said, wow, you know, what do you, what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. And uh, as also as an employment attorney, I uh, defended clients. So I represent employers and I defended clients for wage claims. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happens, when someone's saying, oh, I feel like I'm being discriminated against because of my gender, there are a number of factors that take, that come into account. But um, it's important to note the law is different now here in Colorado, but before it was pretty much any reason that wasn't illegal. And one of the top reasons was always prior salary slash negotiation. Women just don't negotiate. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I want to start by saying, like, I believe when when groups like women or other groups of color have uh, these concerted efforts that are a little baffling, like failure to negotiate, it's not because we're crazy. It's because there's a reason for that. And in general, negotiation uh, can be very um, fraught, Mm -hmm. very hard, Mm -hmm. and has a lot of pitfalls. Mm -hmm. And if you're also a person that you know experienced bias, you know, it, it is, uh, that fear is really founded. But I realized really quickly in my work that that fear was literally women leaving tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table. Yeah. And so uh, I started my own little side project of how do people negotiate? Uh, just, um, I have a few of these. Uh, this is one of them. And um, when I realized what that was, I had the opportunity to practice it, advising a client, a woman, uh, executive. And she was like, wow, this was really helpful. And it wasn't legal. It was just me saying, hmm, have you thought about this? Have yeah. you thought about that? Yeah. Uh, and then I, I listened to some other experts in the area, and I actually came up with my own little formula and used some people I care about as my test subjects. <laughs> And shockingly, uh, I didn't have a single person have a bad experience. I was like, wow, there's something to this. And so since then, um, I uh, have, uh, when I was still in private practice, I offered it as kind of an auxiliary service. Uh, So most of the time I represent employers, but occasionally I would have the privilege of helping uh, uh, um, an employee Mm -hmm. navigate a challenging situation. And these were like little nuggets I'd sprinkle in there and I would I found they gave me a lot of satisfaction. So now, even though I'm no longer technically in private practice, it's like a free thing I do for people I like. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, so great. Um, and I feel like it's uh, my way of contributing to uh, addressing an area that has to change. We know bias is real. Uh, we know uh, that uh, we can't change someone else's bias. They have to do that on their own. But what can we do? What can we do as women to improve where we are? Yeah. And um, the the... I have had a lot of clients in private practice who I wasn't quite sure about, but even in clients who I knew were good people, who were trying to be good employers, they still had bias. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if um, someone had set their female employees down and when they were joining the organization, or sometimes even as they were experiencing promotions, and said, hey, why don't you try negotiating, uh, their data would have looked a lot different. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been resistant to it because the men were doing it. Yeah. So, um, so that is like my personal interest in this. Um, I obviously use it in my personal life, um, and uh, I find people always say, "Oh, you, you're really um, good." At the, but I, it's a result of part of it's who I am and my and, and my job, and the other part of it is um, just I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I feel like that it has so much value, especially for women. Um, And um, it is something that we don't talk about enough. Absolutely. Um, So many questions. Okay. But but as as you talk about how negotiations are fraught for women specifically. Yes. There are lots of ways that I think about that on a psychological level. I imagine that there's, there's something about feeling confrontational. Yes not having the skills to know how to negotiate, not feeling confident enough to negotiate, feeling that if I negotiate, then the possibility of me not having the opportunity to be employed, become employed, or get the salary that was offered to me, 
may go away. Like I imagine there's so many complicated feelings that go into. Oh yes, that's the number one thing uh, is that people are afraid that if I negotiate, they will withdraw the offer. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so there are some really interesting t- statistics on how differently women and men look at job opportunities, one of which is a man will apply for a job when he has 60% of the qualifications and women will want to wait till they have 100%. This mm-hmm. is another one of those areas. If someone has invested the time and effort into getting you to be the finalist in their organization, um, from my perspective, advising employers, they're really tired. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not, you're not going to say, hey, you know, I want to talk about my compensation plan and, you know, my compensation package and whether or not there's space for negotiation. Uh, they're not going to be like, oh, that's it. We've just invested, you know, weeks in this person, but we're just going to walk away. Yeah. But that is a fear that women have. I think, though, it's not an unfounded fear. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, women who negotiate in the wrong environment can be seen as confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I will readily admit that because I've had clients say that to me. I've had clients dealing with really difficult situations. Uh, women have said things that men have also said, and they've perceived the woman saying it differently. Yeah. It's yeah. not an unfounded fear. Yeah. But I believe that when you're negotiating your salary package, you're not just negotiating your salary package. You're also learning something about that employer. Mm-hmm. And if how they communicate with you, uh, just know this, men negotiate. I, they almost always negotiate. Mm-hmm. And so if you raise this issue in an appropriate way and you get Un, undeserved pushback, you've just learned something about the organization. Yeah, you've yeah. learned something about the person you're talking to. You've just learned something. Now, what you do with it is going to have to deal with kind of where you are. Right. So it may be that you really need this job. Mm-hmm. So you take it, but you take it with your eyes open, mm-hmm. uh, knowing where you're going to be. And you mm-hmm. may be, in doing that, saving yourself a lot of heartache. Yeah. Um, and it may be telling you something about your time at that place. Yeah. Uh, but if they respond positively, if you come out of that negotiation realizing how much they value you uh, as an employee, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You are set up for success. Yeah, I love that because I think that that idea of perspective. Yes. That you are able to get information about fit, mm-hmm. about environment, and about what it's going to mean for you to either accept or decline that position. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times, I think we come into those experiences feeling disempowered in yes. some way. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about what is it, what do I need, not only in terms of salary, but what do I need in terms of relationship with my employers, in terms of communication, in terms of how they value me. I think, like you said, it's going in with your eyes open and you're getting really helpful and useful information for yourself about that, depending on where you are in terms of, you know, whether or not the need is high enough for you to, you know, have to accept the position or to make a different choice. Yes. Yeah. And, and I love how you talk about men as the, that men always negotiate, that it's not it's not whether or not we should negotiate. Negotiation is always a, the option. Yes. Um, there's only one situation where I would say you don't negotiate, and that is if you're taking an entry level position with a set salary. Mm. You wouldn't um, in, in completely preset package. That's the only time you wouldn't negotiate. Mm. Uh, that's. That usually only happens earlier in your career. Uh, Generally, once you reach a certain level, you should always be prepared to negotiate. How often do you think, and I know statistically it might be hard to say, but how often do you think women at higher level positions do not negotiate their salaries? Uh, So it's pretty rare, but I have been surprised with some clients how women will be in positions that, you know, high six figures and not fully negotiate the package. And then you'll see that and you'll see the difference between 
the high earning male and the highest earning female. And it's really sad from my perspective to realize, oh, wow, she just asked for a little more. Um, when you get a job offer, especially if you're at a certain level, there's like built in flexibility. Yeah. So if you don't negotiate, you're literally like walking away, uh, leaving money on the table. And then in many organizations, that salary you come in with is a benchmark for every other salary you'll have. Mm -hmm. So if you plan on staying someplace for a long time, you could be really undercutting yourself. Yeah. And that plays out in the data. Um, you know, everyone gets a 3% raise. If you already have this discrepancy between two individuals, that 3% means a lot more to him versus her. Mm -hmm. And 3% compounded year over year over year, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And so when you see it, it's, it's, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that this, here in Colorado, they've changed the law in part to try to address this, but I don't, uh, and, and we'll see how that ultimately shakes out. Um, but I do think that um, even still, there's still room for negotiation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so women should absolutely uh, always, I think, unless there is a set salary, be prepared to negotiate. Yeah. And when you think about negotiations, I, you know, I think probably people think about base salary or, you know, the, mm -hmm. the amount of money that they're, they're being offered. Are there other things that women should think about negotiating when they're... I think the full package, uh, and I say that because um, I think it's because I've seen the full package negotiated. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just your salary, it can also be your bonus. Um, there can be a signing or hiring bonus. Mm -hmm. uh, also um, retention um, mechanisms that your employer has. So that can be phantom stock, actual stock, ownership in a company, all of those things could be negotiated. It could also be vacation days. That can be negotiated, and people don't think about that, but uh, that is something that potentially could be on the table. You know, you have a big trip planned. Don't assume you can't take it. Yeah. Uh, be prepared to have that discussion. That will tell you so much about what a company values yeah. uh, is in that um, um, package, the yeah. full package. Um, and also your retention um mechanisms can be some of the most valuable parts of your compensation. Yeah. Uh, so negotiating for a little more stock when you come in or um, uh, negotiating to make sure you get, you know, you're starting mid-year. I still want to see if I'm eligible for the bonus this year. Yeah. Things like that. That can make a really big difference in your overall compensation. Yeah, absolutely. And when you came up with your own formula on how women can negotiate, their salaries. What what does that what does that look like? Uh, so it is going to be position by position. Mm -hmm. um, but I would I would anticipate at least twenty percent wiggle room. And but even before we look at kind of a formula, start with what matters to you. Mm -hmm. So what um, attracts you to this position? What um, and money is part of it. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think feels like fair compensation for you? And my thoughts on that is, what's fair compensation? You give me a number, okay, add to that. Add a little more to that, because women do underestimate their value. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so add a little more to that. Uh, and then um, when you have, and a bigger part of it, though, is when we're, you're talking about a number, where you actually land it. It's, it's important, but not the most important thing. It's also how you do it. Yeah. Uh, so who are you negotiating with? Are you negotiating with your future boss? Are you negotiating with someone in their uh, HR department? Are you negotiating with your boss's boss? Um, you know, who are you negotiating with? Uh, what kind of information does that person have mm. about um, not just your compensation now, but what your compensation can be can, will look like in the future? Mm -hmm. uh, how is this benchmarking your uh, pay? Uh, is there are there ways to show that the value you bring to the organization can Im improve your pay? Yeah. Uh, things like that. You want to just kind of think about the full package. 
And then um, pay attention to what people say and how they respond. Yeah. Um, that's really important uh, to see how they respond. If they're, um, you know, shutting you down, what does that mean? Uh, unless they have a policy in their company, like I said, where everyone starts the same, uh, how they shut you down is really important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't always have a lot of um, flexibility with roles we take. There may just be one offer. That's okay. Uh, but, you know, going in, uh, what you what your emphasis needs to be in this role, which mm -hmm. is getting what you need to get you to your next opportunity. Yeah. It may be at that company, but it may be somewhere else, depending yeah. on how well they align with your values. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about that, I think every position that we women take um, is a stepping stone to something else, right? Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, mid-career, mm -hmm. you know, early career. I think it's important to start thinking about if, like you said, if this is my base and this is what I've decided at this moment, how will that impact my next step? Uh, and I think that's so difficult to do in that setting because we we're just thinking and anticipating what we need in that moment. And it's difficult to think about how that's going to impact potential future opportunities. Yes. Um, and it, especially within an organization. Now, Colorado's law says they can't use your prior pay mm. uh, to set your current rate, but it does have an emotional value for mm. us, and we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, because I'm curious in terms of your own journey, Beth, like, because <laughs> we talked a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm in a different position where I set my own fee, right? So in, in essence, I'm setting my own salary, right? Um, and there have been so many iterations on my, my journey around my fee, around money, around, you know, my beliefs around money. Um, and, you know, I think that, like you said, there's a psychological aspect to that, that not only impacts how I feel, you know, but it impacts the work that I do. It impacts, I think, how people perceive the work that I do. Yes. There, there's so many intersections about how I set my fee, the money that I bring in, and then how people value my service. And so I would love to hear more about how you have thought about money, thought about you know, your own journey with money. Yes, I, I think um, I, my relation with money is definitely a tool. So my whole life I've, saw, I've seen it as uh, a way to, to live a good life. Mm. And so when I started out, um, I started out a big firm, um, relatively high salary. I wasn't in New York, so I wasn't like the highest salary, but relatively high salary. Uh, everyone started out the same. And uh, I got to watch how that changes yeah. based, and it was it was interesting because I got to see um, um, people shared kind of with me where they stood, and it was very interesting. But I did realize that um, while I didn't dislike the work that I did, it was not fulfilling. Yeah. So I'm not adequately money motivated. <laughs> that said, money is a tool and you need a certain amount of it to, to live uh, a certain type of life. So um, I, I definitely keep that in mind, but I don't, um, I think that however you relate to money is appropriate, mm -hmm. so long as it's healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's always been my uh, approach. Um, to money, as long as it's healthy, uh, it's appropriate. But regardless of how you feel about money, you still need to be fairly compensated. Yeah. So where where you are, what you do, the value you bring needs to be reflected in how you're paid. Yeah. And I think that for so many women, I think specifically, and again, I'm speaking to my own experience and you know the, the circles that I that I live in, but I think talking about money and talking about our personal, like 
our how much we make, our salaries, what we charge is is such a difficult yes place to tread, right? Like we we have lots of shame or guilt or you know our own history, our generational history around money, and that I think that sometimes I imagine negotiations become difficult because we just don't talk about money as women. I think that's it. And I also think if you are a woman of color, um, if you're coming from a certain type of background, you can actually feel bad yeah. about earning a lot of money. Yeah. And it's a very different approach. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can make you more likely to, to undervalue yeah. what you bring. And so that is why I think the more important thing is understanding for yourself where what you need yeah. financially and being honest yes. you should not be scraping by yes. when you're yeah. doing work that matters uh but also um, understanding what that role pays in your industry mm -hmm. and understanding the value you bring um you know when i was in private practice i knew i billed at x number you know x dollars an hour and i knew how much of my bill was paid by my clients and so i and i knew that i need to make about uh two and a half times my salary in yeah. order to justify uh, my salary yeah. so I had a formula in my mind for kind of how much I should make yeah. and um, I do think that you you need to think about that um, what uh, regardless of where you are when you're doing a job you're bringing you're being hired for the value you're bringing mm -hmm. what value are you bringing and how does that how should that be accurately reflected in your pay? yeah absolutely it's so interesting because just recently I started to think about how you um, start to, to look at the things that you desire, right? Like what are the things that I value in my life and how do I want to bring more of that into mm -hmm. my life, right? Whether that be, you know, taking trips, spending quality time with my family on those trips, being able to cultivate a life that feels meaningful. And then thinking about what is the actual cost of that? <laughs> and how much money do I need to cultivate the life that I actually want? And you know, I, I think that that can can feel like a very privileged stance, but I think that it's important for us to really think about what is what do I need to be making in order to live the life that I want to live, Definitely. and that looks different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that so many times we we're reactive, you know, we're just taking what's given to us, and you know, try to figure out how do we make that work within the context of what I what I can do now, rather than really think about what do I need and and what is it that I really desire. And then how do I start to approach, you know, whether that be salary negotiations or setting a fee or deciding what my value is and that being a starting place. Yes. Yeah. And being intentional about it and yeah. uh, about what you're worth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting, too. I think that, you know, we've talked different times on this podcast about money. Um, and I think it's important because I think that, again, women don't typically talk about money. We don't have conversations about it. We don't feel empowered. And women of color specifically do not have conversations about it. And, you know, I think this idea of value and money, because money, like you said, is just a tool. Yes. And I think that's a really healthy way to look at it. But I also think that we do money, the energy of money. Yes. And, and what the value that we assign to money and how we start to understand our value through money yes. is really important to investigate and think about. Because I think we start to place so much value on the money that's coming in as you know, as opposed yes. to, you know, our own core value. 
Yes, and I think whatever you're doing and including in your negotiation with money, your your actual core values should lead that negotiation. Yeah. What matters to you in a healthy place to work? Mm -hmm. uh, this is just another way for you to uncover that. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, like you said, like this idea of asking for vacation time. Yes. And if you're trying to negotiate vacation time, you're going to get more information about what the values of the company are. Yes. And what that means for you and your own well-being. And I think we typically... And again, this is coming from someone who's never negotiated a salary. <laughs> well, you negotiate a, a lot of other I things. I, I, yes. I feel like I negotiate my salary every day, yes. but I haven't had to do it in this way. But um, I, I think that what happens is we don't think about our own mental health and our well-being in, the, in light of the salary that we're trying to get or the money that we're trying to make. And it's so important to think about, you know, I know that I think about this I think about it this way now, it's probably taken me, sadly, probably like 15 years, but I think about how the money that I'm bringing in and how I value myself is actually about how I'm taking care of myself. It's yes. about my own self-care. So I can you know, decide that I don't want to have a high fee, but I, if I don't think about the impact of, on me and my mental health and the impact on the people around me, then I'm not coming at it from my own values. I'm not yes. coming at it from a values-based perspective. I'm just thinking about, I'm not thinking, I'm not centering myself in that. Yes. So. And so I think that in anything, it's how do we center ourselves and our value and yes. our, our actual core values, like what we believe to be important in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of that can be come apparent in the negotiation yeah. and I that's why I think before you negotiate get comfortable with what you're worth and get uh, comfortable uh, with being in that uncomfortable place yeah it's not going to feel natural uh, there is a little there's a point of conflict there you're trying to get more money uh, get more uh, uh, vacation get more you know um, uh, incentives uh, whatever um, so get comfortable with that but also remember you're worth it mm -hmm. and how does this feed your 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 goals and your values uh and how does this support your family mm -hmm. and allow you to do things with those you love things like that you have to really think about what this is yeah. and that's why for me personally it's been helpful to consider money as a tool yeah i think that's such a great perspective in terms of uh, like leading into the discomfort mm -hmm. because i think that discomfort is what typically moves people away from doing it. Yes. And the discomfort is not necessarily a, a signal that it's bad or wrong or that you shouldn't do it. Yes. It's just discomfort. Because yeah. discomfort from not do, having done it before, from having to talk about things that may bring up uncomfortable feelings, you know, to, to be in a situation where asking for more is not typically um, what you do. It's not something that you have practice in, but leaning into the discomfort is important and it's helpful practice yeah um, because we should be able to negotiate hard hard moments yeah. in other areas of our lives so it's good practice um and i think you know maybe you do it once and that is the place you stay for the rest of your career the odds though are not that's the case so yeah. each time you do it you're going to get better at it It'll be a little less discomfort, uh, uncomfortable, a little less discomfort, even though I can't say that it's ever going to fully go away. And that's okay. That's a healthy reaction. Um, but it, it, you will get better at it over time yeah. as well. 
So yeah, I um, highly recommend it for lots of reasons. <laughs> do you have like have you do you recommend that people practice with other people beforehand? Or so I do that. Like, That's yeah. one of the things I recommend. Um, so uh, you'll get certain t- canned responses, um, and um, you'll want to have phrases kind of on the ready mm. to talk about that. Um, and it needs to be natural to you. So uh, each person has their nat- natural transitions. Uh, how do you prepare to give those even when you feel really uncomfortable? It's a good thing to practice. Um, it's much like an interview, quite frankly, though. If you're applying for a job, it's it's a really similar uh, skill set yeah. in that you're going to be need to be prepared to um, appear natural in a natural situation. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's something that it's practiced. So um, I myself with friends will say, okay, let's talk through that. Um, I recommend... Um, uh, if I have a friend who's married, practice with her spouse. It's yeah. literally going to benefit him. So make him sit down and listen. <laughs> <laughs> or her. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then um, I also encourage, um, if that's the case, even doing it in front of the mirror. So you get comfortable, see your facial expression, get comfortable with it. The more you say it, the more comfortable you are with mm-hmm. it. It's literally an effect of practice. Uh, I felt particularly well suited for this um suggestion because as an attorney i'm a i'm a litigator i would be in court i um as a person am not someone that people assume would be in court yeah and um it's it's kind of like a persona i wear um but it is the effect of practice Mm -hmm. Uh, and the more i practice it the better i get to the point where people get to know me and then we go to court and they're like wow you're like a different person i say no i practice that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's almost like putting on the persona it's like allowing yourself the opportunity to put on a different persona sometimes uh many times we need to do that in hard situations Mm -hmm. and negotiating your salary is one of those (laughs) yeah yeah um so i i was just thinking that someone known to us um when he was negotiating a salary i think he wrote a number on a piece of paper and gave it to them (laughs) and they easily accepted it and then he was like Yes. So that's why if you ever, if you if you can, always have them give you a number first, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what you work off mm-hmm. of. Um, you don't want to be the first one to give a number, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know sometimes that can be hard to do. I've actually had that happen to me where I was like, oh, that didn't work, uh, and that's a learning experience too. Uh, but um, I will tell you that position I passed on because yeah. I thought I didn't like how that went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something to consider. Uh, but if at all possible, you don't want to give the first number. Mm-hmm. You want to see what kind when they ask you what you're looking for. Well, tell me, you know, um, get me a package and I'll let you know if it's what I, I want. Um, the great thing about doing that is, in theory, if the company's doing it right, they're going to look at you, look at other people in the role, and give you a number that's appropriate based on your experience. Right. There'll be some wiggle room. They're going to give you, they're going to make a range, and they're going to give you something at the bottom of the range. Mm-hmm. Um, but in theory, that number is telling you a lot about your coworkers. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it can be really helpful uh, in that sense. It's giving you an idea of kind of what um, a good starting point is. Uh, it also gives you an idea of where you stand as far as your experience. Mm-hmm. So that can be really helpful. Now, here in Colorado, uh, job uh, for Colorado based jobs, Uh, postings have to give a range for Mm -hmm. the hiring. Um, But even still, 
uh, the range. So they may have a $50,000 range. Um, you can ask them to give you a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they give you that number, and, and, uh, the, and the posting is also supposed to give you information on benefits, right. but it may not include information on bonuses or um, any um, in- incentive plans like, you know, phantom stock or something like that. It may not include that information. So that may be, be information you get later. All of that would factor into you determining, like, is this this does this number work for me? If you say something first, though, I, I don't know. You know, you'll get what you said. Yeah. Um, and you, the other uh, weakness of that position is you may end up negotiating against yourself. Right. You never want to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get the <laughs> number first. <laughs> yeah. If you can at all, uh, yeah. get that number first. Yeah. Yeah. And so the friend that we have in common, I know one of the things that she was talking about was. Uh, feeling the confidence to be able to negotiate at seven figures. Yes. Um, and that that was really scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think everyone has a threshold, right? Like we all kind of, I think, again, I think there's an emotional threshold that we mm-hmm. feel. And I know that, I, again, in my work of having to set my own fee, that emotional threshold is very deeply felt in my body. You know, mm-hmm. every time I pass that threshold, it's like I can feel it. Um, so women who ha- you've you've coached in negotiating, what have been like some of your success stories around negotiations? Um, so I will tell you, they always get, I have them give me a number and then I have them go over it. And I, they've always gotten over that number, yeah. which is really fun. Oh, um, and um, it is because we always do underestimate our value. Mm-hmm. Um, the other uh, really fun part has been having someone um, negotiate up front for additional um um, they got additional stock in the company and the company went public. And so that was pretty phenomenal yeah. to feel like, oh, that was a really awesome thing I was able to help with. <laughs> I felt really good. Um, and um, so examples like that. Um, you want to think about the full package. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is if you're, in the, if you're in the position where you're the finalist, getting mm. an opportunity like that, you deserve to be there. Yeah. And so you are not negotiating, um, uh, you know, you're negotiating for a position of strength, yes. not a position of weakness. Yeah. You are the finalist. You literally outlasted everyone for an opportunity some people work their whole lives for. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. And you deserve to be compensated mm-hmm. like you deserve to be here. Yeah. So I just want to, like, remind that. I do think sometimes it's easy as, for me as a friend to see that in someone they don't even see in themselves. Mm-hmm. But if I can do that for someone, I love it. Oh. Um, and if you can do that for someone, uh, I highly recommend it, <laughs> listeners. Uh, just uh, remind people that they are worth it. Um, we, I, just women disproportionately almost always under value ourselves so whatever number you have in your head go higher <laughs> yes oh. <laughs> Beth, i feel like that is the perfect way to end this episode yes <laughs> totally unsolicited <laughs> um but i love that because i think that's so true is that you are not only giving women the tools that they need to negotiate you're helping them really understand their value yes and i think you know you are doing that for everyone who's listening and I hope hopefully so. they can yes. they can take pass that on to others. Yeah. Uh, well thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Yes. And I will probably ask you to come back because I ask I want to ask everyone to come back and um, have we can talk more deeply just about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's like I don't know about that. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again. Beth. All right, I really thank appreciate you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Hey, it's Marisol. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Really quick, I wanted to let you know that we have partnered with U.S. Bank on their mission to power human potential through their Community Possible Grant Program. This program is dedicated to supporting communities like this one while addressing racial and economic inequities. This could be a great opportunity for you, so click the link in this episode description, learn more, and apply.